when you follow the Bible, you get another place where the Lord talks about who then is the faithful and wise servant. That's Matthew 24. Whom the owner of the house has left in charge of the house. So Matthew 24, he says, Matthew 24, I'm reading from verses 45 on. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for the servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possession. But suppose that the servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And then begins to beat up, to beat his fellow servants, and eat and drink with drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Listen, precious people. This is what he's saying. Another place at which we have been afforded a window to look at the lives that the wise virgins are living on this earth. Because they have not yet been taken. What a wonderful opportunity. The prophecy has not been fulfilled. How mighty. He's saying, if you hear the way that parable is structured, he's saying that there is a master, the owner of the house. Pastors, listen to this very carefully now. Because I know here you use the house for eating, for rent, for what? It's your house. I built my church. It's your house. But listen to me now. My ministry. You know, in my ministry, what I normally do, my ministry, my church. Uh, my church is doing well. I have my elders. I have, hey, excuse me. He's saying that the house has its owner. And when the house has an owner, he says, Fellow, fellow servants. All the servants are together. They are all servants. He chooses just one out of them. Fellow servants. And then he says that he gives him responsibility to feed his fellow, fellow slaves, fellow servants. Responsibility to be able to give them food at their proper time. And then he says it will be good for that servant when the owner of the house, the master, comes and finds him doing so. The first thing that you see there, he's saying that this faithful and wise, wise is the word, the key we're picking, that the wise church, the wise pastor, the wise sheep, first of all, you begin to understand there's an instruction. And the instruction there is a call to duty. And that call to duty is to evangelize Jesus. And in other words, if you listen to him very carefully, because he has just said, the pulpit and the congregation, then you say, oh, do you mean they're all called? Do you mean salvation is a calling? Hallelujah. But listen to this. He's saying that that wise church that will enter heaven, meaning when the master comes, find he's doing that, he's ready. That church must have the following capacity. Number one, she must be able 
to detect the hour of hunger. He's saying, for you to feed your fellow servants at the proper time, you have to have the capacity to detect the hour of hunger so you can feed them. That's number one. And how do you detect that hour? Pastors, now watch out on this. The reason you have been faulted. He's saying that to be able to detect the hour of hunger, you need to go back to Matthew 24. And in Matthew 24, you'll hear the Lord saying this, Matthew 24, from verse 1. He's saying, as he was walking away, you know, it was always normal for Jesus to preach. After preaching and ministering, he always withdrew from the multitude. And then he engaged and withdrew. He had that routine. That one of the times when he finished and he was withdrawing, the disciples came to him. And they said, Lord, Rabbi, teacher, wow, look at the house of the Lord, how beautiful. Luke says they tried to draw his attention to its stunning, magnificent architecture. And then he surprised them. He told them, wow. Oh. He said, do you see all this? The time is coming when everything must be brought down and no stone will remain on another. And then the disciples quickly realized, they said, why would somebody destroy such a beautiful house of the Lord? Then they quickly realized, oh, he's talking about the signs of the coming of the Messiah and the signs of the end of the age, two events. Now listen to this. When the disciples realized that he was talking about the signs of the coming of the Messiah and of the end of the age, what they did is this. The Bible says they privately came up to him privately. And the Bible says he was sitting on the rock on the Mount of Olives, on the stone. And they asked him, Master, Lord, when will this happen? And what will be the signs of your return and of the coming of the age? And in verse 4, when the Lord opened his breath to answer them, he began to give the signs of the coming of the Messiah. And among them, in verse 7, he says, there will be earthquakes and famines in various places. And those are the earthquakes have been going all over the world prophesying. Those are the famines and the global economic crisis have been prophesying until they came to being. So he's asking, who then is this faithful and wise servant whom the master will leave in charge of his household to feed his fellow, fellow servants at the proper time, meaning at the hunger hour? He says that the servant, the faithful and wise servant, is that one who will have the capacity to detect the hour of hunger. In Amos 8, 11 and 12, he says, Days are coming when I will send a famine into the land. A hunger not for bread, a thirst not for drinking water or juice or what, but for hearing the words of God. What a terrible hunger. It looks like that type of famine and hunger comes to devastate the heart. It looks like that hunger takes away the word from the land, so the land begins groping in darkness. A land which has no word of God. How terrible. And he's saying that that wise church that is still walking here is the church 
that has capacity to detect that the Lord said that right before he comes would be the hour of hunger. That's why they charge a thousand dollars and you pay and you go sit there. Because you're hungry. And he's saying the following, that that servant must detect that hour of hunger and then once he detects, go feed. Feed the rest. Hallelujah. That church is still walking here and doing that right now. By the way, she's doing it right now. So make sure you're part of it. She's busy right now doing it. And if you're not the one, you're in deep trouble. If you're not the one, you really need to change and be the one. She's still here. There's opportunity here. Hallelujah. Can we read some scriptures here? The book of Matthew 24, 1 to 8. I've almost talked it to you here. Up to verse 7. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, I said. Can we go to the next? So Matthew 24, 1 to 8, you've written. Luke 21, 11. He says, there will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Now Luke 21, 28. Now I'm jumping 28 from 11. Luke 21, 28, he says, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption has drawn near. Did you understand the hour of hunger he's talking about here? And then now, I want to exploit this capacity to detect hunger. Hallelujah. Turn with me now to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. He says, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, when out of the river came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came out of the Nile and stood beside on the river bank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and the second dream, seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east winds, the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. Verse 8. In the morning, his mind was troubled, meaning his spirit was disturbed. He realized that this don't look good. He could tell that this may not be good. Hallelujah. In the morning, his mind was troubled and he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt, Pharaoh told them his dream, but no one could interpret for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants and imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us the servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had been shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream. And no one can interpret it. 
but I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So first of all, right there you see that he glorified God before the king. He could have panicked. If you were some of us here, he could have panicked and said, Wow, what an opportunity to be removed from the dungeon. I don't want to say something bad. I want only to glorify the king. No, but he stood before the king and said, There is a God in heaven here. In passing. I'm just mentioning that in passing. That you may not lose that. And then he says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing at the bank of the Nile when out of the river came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all of the land of Egypt. Verse 20. Then the lean, ugly cows ate up the seven cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They just looked as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, and scorched by the east winds. Verse 24. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what is about to take place, what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same thing, verse 27. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I say to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance of the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows will be so severe. Verse 32. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms, because the matter has been firmly decided by God, and will do it soon. Hallelujah. Verse 33, I finish now for you. He says, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let the Pharaoh appoint the commissioners over the land to take care of a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserves for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Verse 37, I finish up, precious people. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So the Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made it all known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all the people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect of the throne will I be greater than you. So can I explain these things? This is what the Lord is saying. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master 
shall live in charge of his house, household, and feed them at the proper time, meaning the hunger time. Jesus gave the prophecy. So there will be earthquakes and famines in various places before I come. So who then is the faithful and wise pastor that will be able to detect that, look, the Messiah is about to come. This is the hour of hunger. So that he may feed the church at the proper time. That when the master comes back, at an hour he least expects, on a day he least expects, he may find him there. In Egypt, when Pharaoh had this dream, then Joseph came and gave the prophecy of Joseph. And the prophecy of Joseph, from those dreams, the whole thing is really about Joseph. Are you aware? Because remember, Joseph was thrown into the pit by his brothers because of his dreams. And the way he interpreted them. Until even his father asked him, what is this nonsense I hear about dreams going on with you and your brothers? But anyhow, and sold him to Egypt so he can encounter this event. That one day, when this great hunger and famine comes, he can preserve the house of Jacob. But listen to this now. In Egypt, Pharaoh has this dream. And then, the dream is of some holy cows. Very sleek and righteous. And good. And some wicked cows appear. And eat up the sleek cows. And then when they eat, he says, you cannot even tell they have eaten. They still look terrible. And then Pharaoh asked, uh-uh, uh-uh. He said, right from the beginning I knew that this dream, it don't look good. Huh? Something is not right. I may not be an interpreter of dreams, but I, he was disturbed. He realized, uh-uh, this don't look well. In front here is not good. But when Joseph interprets it, he says, seven years are coming, which are good, abundance. But he mentions something key that I want you to have. Look at this now. In the prophecy of Joseph, Joseph gives the warning of God. The seven years are coming which are good. And seven years of famine. He gives that warning. And then Joseph also gives the counsel of God. He warns that that hunger is coming. And then he gives the advice. He says, therefore, because the famine is coming. He's saying, you must keep reserves. Reserves. Saying that the time is coming. When only the church that carried the jar of reserves will be able to keep burning the lamp and enter. The jar is the symbol of reserves. Hallelujah. He's saying that the prophecy of Joseph said this. Joseph begins to preach to this current church by saying that on every occasion when God wants Please, be careful enough to take the warning seriously. Because in that prophecy of Joseph, indeed, the seven good years appeared. And the seven years of drought also appeared. He's saying that when God warned, it came to pass. The seven years of abundance, if you read further on, it says 
that there was so much abundance like the sand of the seashores. In fact, he says that when Joseph was now picked to put this together, reserves, look at this now. It was so much, he stopped recording. And then, when the famine came, remember, Egypt was the superpower at that time. So all the nations of the earth were struck with famine, including the house of Jacob, where she was. And they started coming to Egypt for grain. Listen to this. He's saying that every time the Lord gives a warning, please take it serious. Because it must come to pass. Number two, he's saying that every time on top of the warning, when the Lord gives a counsel, an advice, please take it serious because that is what saved Egypt. And right now, he has been giving a warning here of some day that is coming. A day when only those with reserves, those who paid attention to this warning and sustained the reserves of righteousness, will prevail on that day. And he said, he gave the warning here, the Messiah is coming, and he also gave the counsel on how to build those reserves. He said, do this. It's been a long journey here. Don't wear like this. Don't do like that. Don't worry about who. You just pursue holiness. He gave even the counsel. He said, every time the Lord gives a warning, please don't joke with that warning, because it must come to pass. It came to pass there in Egypt. And when every time he gives a counsel, Please hold it serious. Do it seriously. Because that is the only thing that saved Egypt. And even the church. That is the only thing that will save her. So you see here, the king says, Who then is the wise servant in Egypt? Same question again. Who then is the wise servant in Egypt? With the spirit of God. Who is able to detect the coming famine. And feed Egypt. At the right time. Who then is the wise pastor that is able to detect the hour of hunger, the coming hunger, famine, and then feed others at the right time? And he says that servant has one characteristic. When you look at right from the beginning, from Revelation 6, and you came to the prophecy of Jesus, Matthew 25, that church has a jar. The jar is the symbol of reserves. Even Jesus, when the hour of hunger was about to come, he told his disciples, go into the city and a man will come to you there carrying a jar of water. And he says, and when that man comes with a jar of water, don't let him go. Follow him because that jar is the symbol of reserves. And ask him, the hour of hunger is coming when the Messiah will need to have his dinner with his disciples. Where is the upper room that's prepared? Because that jar tells me that you have reserves. Hallelujah. This jar you are holding of water tells me that you are the faithful and wise servant who knows the hour of hunger and your prepared reserves. The master will need to have dinner. And when they followed him, there was a prepared upper room. When the hour of hunger arrived, there was food. Who then is the faithful and wise church that has detected that the hour of hunger is coming and has built up reserves? Remember, Joseph was given the responsibility to build reserves. In fact, when you read further on, he was given the responsibility, like the Messiah was saying to the servant, whom the master lived in charge, in charge of fellow. Look, 
Pharaoh removed the ring, a signet ring from his own hand and put it in the finger of Joseph. From his own finger, meaning sharing authority. Meaning, I'm delegating you today to do my duty. I'm giving you authority to do all that appertains. Only regarding the throne shall you be number two. And then, that's number one. Number two, he gave him a powerful robe. Number three, he put a ring, a golden chain on his neck. Number four, he put an entourage. And they say that the front ones were saying, give way, give way, meaning siren. Meaning, he delegated him authority. And when he delegated him authority, look at this now. He went out and he built the reserves. I am telling you what the wise church is still on the earth doing right now. He's saying that he delegated his duty. Because remember the Pharaoh removed the signet ring from his own finger and put on the finger of Joseph. Meaning, I'm now sharing authority with you. I've delegated you a certain authority of mine. But if you look at what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24, 45-51, he said, Who then is the faithful servant, the faithful and wise, that the master will live in charge? Meaning, the gospel does not belong to the pastor. So the way you walk here, pocket here, preaching, doing like this, uh, you know, I want to talk about my family and the fridge and the TV. My wife and I, we struggle on the remote. We have time. Each one has their five minutes. Whatever. To come here and walk like this and pocket and say that kind of nonsense here and last at women here. He's saying that that gospel is not yours. You ought to handle it with a lot of fear. He's saying that the master has actually delegated you. He has just given you authority to feed others. Delegation is not yours. The gospel has its owner. That's why the abuse of the grace you see today here, the consequences is eternal judgment. Because the gospel has its owner. Who died for it on the cross? Even salvation has its owner. Who brought it to us for free? And the kingdom of heaven has its owner. So don't treat the church as though the gospel is yours. And he says, has left him in charge of his household. Meaning the house does not even belong to you. Ah, excuse me church. Haven't I come now that the truth may be spoken, that even the pastors may enter heaven. That they may now serve God right with fear. And you see, I'm an evangelist, and you're walking naked. You're putting on a short dress. And you say, I'm a prophetess. And you're walking naked. You're putting on a short dress. Excuse me. I want you to understand, number one, the gospel has its owner. He died for it on the cross. And when he left, he says, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has left in charge? Has delegated, removed the signet ring and put in his finger say, do for me this until I come. He does not turn the gospel into your own gospel for finding money, for eating what? For food here and money and corruption and immorality sleeping with women. No. The gospel ought to be handled with fear and trembling because it has its owner. If you look at what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24, 45-51, he said, who then is the faithful servant the faithful and wise, that the master will live in charge. Meaning, the gospel 
does not belong to the pastor. So the way you walk your pocket here preaching, doing like this, uh, you know, I want to talk about my family and the fridge and the TV. My wife and I, we struggle on the remote. We have time. Each one has their five minutes, whatever. To come here and walk like this and pocket and say that kind of nonsense here and last at women here. He's saying that that gospel is not yours. You ought to handle it with a lot of fear. He's saying that the master has actually delegated you. He has just given you authority to feed others. Delegation is not yours. The gospel has its owner. That's why the abuse of the grace you see today here, the consequences is eternal judgment. Because the gospel has its owner. Who died for it on the cross? Even salvation has its owner. Who brought it to us for free? And the kingdom of heaven has its owner. So don't treat the church as though the gospel is yours. And he says, has left him in charge of his household. Meaning the house does not even belong to you. Ah, excuse me, pastors. Haven't I come now that the truth may be spoken, that even the pastors may enter heaven. That they may now serve God right with fear. And you see, I'm an evangelist, and you're walking naked. You're putting on a short dress. And you say, I'm a prophetess. And you're walking naked. You're putting on a short dress. Excuse me. I want you to understand, number one, the gospel has its owner. He died for it on the cross. And when he left, he says, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has left in charge? Has delegated, removed the signet ring and put in his finger say, do for me this until I come. He does not turn the gospel into your own gospel for finding money, for eating what? For food here and money and corruption and immorality sleeping with women. No. The gospel ought to be handled with fear and trembling because it has its owner. When I look at the way pastors are preaching, I don't want to look. I don't want to believe he's saying like that and walking like that and talking that. There is not even a single speck of the fear of God. As if they have outgrown God. In fact, you feel they are higher than God. Excuse me. And he's saying that apart from the gospel, the food, he left him to dispense at the hour of hunger. He's also saying that the house also belongs to the owner. Ha! Then from today on, your service has changed. I know in your own way, you go to your bedrooms at night and you just say, Lord, please forgive me. Can you create in me a humble and broken spirit? Because I want to enter. And I just want to prepare your people. Please just help me now. What I heard today from that man of God makes me understand I have done it wrong. I just want to kneel down. I want you to help me. Lord, help me now. Please. Please do. Then some of you will now begin repenting and will begin serving God right. Because when I look at the pastors, they have beat up the sheep. And they have gone to drink with the drunkards. That's why when I came, I found this kind of church here. The church that is not preparing. At the hour of hunger, she's not been fed. Why? Because the Lord is saying 
that when the master comes on the day you least expect at the hour you do not know he's saying when the master comes the church that is still here the wise church that believes in jesus believes that jesus is christ the son of the living god he said that church because of that belief she also believes that he must return he must come back and he said that church right now is busy feeding fellow his fellow servants her fellow servants with food the proper food at the proper time there's only one food you can give the holy food so when i found a church fed on another thing so she's dressing like that lipsticks are red i watch she's buying wigs and everything when i found that church and the men doing their thing here when i found that church here then i understood that first of all that church does not believe in jesus and number two she does not even believe therefore that jesus will come back because if she did she would have feared jesus and she would have feared his return the prophecy of joseph he says when there was so much plenty plenty now that's just the other angle when there was so much plenty that he could not record he could not register then i'm shocked that what happened to them was exodus 16 verse 18 can we read it exodus 16 verse 18 when they thought they had plenty like the sand in the seashores when they thought it was so much joseph could not record and he surrounded reserves every city was surrounded by stores of reserves then look at what happened to them exodus 16:18 happened to them exodus 16:18 he says can i read from 17 the israelites did as they were told some gathered much some little and when they measured it by the omer he who gathered much did not have too much and he who gathered little did not have too little each one gathered as he needed ah because he's saying that the fat and sleek cows the holy cows beautiful cows they came up from the river you know when you take the cows they normally go deep and do their neck like this only the neck and the horns you see they go into the water that deep and then they come back so you can understand what he was talking about coming out of the river when the fat cows came out they were so sleek and beautiful but when the ugly cows came they ate them up but when you looked at the ugly cows they looked like they had not even eaten nothing they did not seem like anything had happened to them they were still hungry they needed some more so the lord is saying here that when the israelites began to gather they gathered so much manna some people gathered so much and another gathered a little let me take it in terms of human terms let's say you are a very wealthy person here and there is a poor woman somewhere all of you if i brought you to one table to have a meal each one will have one plate only one plate oh yes nobody ever said let me eat a thousand plates because i'm wealthy oh yes that church is still here 
So you really ought to know. He's saying that you can only eat that plate. She will eat the same place. So whoever gathered much and whoever gathered little, when you now took the measure of God, the Omer, you find that all of them just had enough to live. Egypt gathered so much and when the famine came, it swallowed up the reserves. You find that they only had, they barely passed through it. What does that teach you? Number one, it tells you that so it is in this world. That this world sometimes has much and sometimes has less. The world does that all the time. Always there is a cycle. It's too much, sometimes less. What is disturbing us all the time, the world. Unreliable. Number two, he says, first of all, he's talking about the importance of reserves. That is clear. The warning. He said the warning. Once the warning is given, don't fool around. It will come to pass. It has been given. Number two, the counsel. The reserves, keep it. Then let me go deeper now. Once you get those two, let me go deeper. This earth sometimes gives much and sometimes less. And he says, the produce of this earth, even when they seem so much, and sometimes they are less. And I'm coming to Matthew 6, 19, 22. And then the spiritual meaning. In Egypt, they stored reserves. They stored big reserves. But listen to me. Then at the end, the cows look like they have not eaten. He's saying, do not store up for yourselves reserves on this earth where there is depletion, where moths and rats eat and destroy. So when you seem to have much, then quickly hear this company is filing for bankruptcy. How is that possible? But store up for yourselves what the wise church is doing now. Reserve for righteousness in heaven. Remember the currency? The heavenly currency is not dollars or whatever. No. It is righteousness. But store up for yourselves the currency of heaven, credit in heaven, reserves in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and where plenty remains plenty. That church is still here. She has not gone. So you need to know every detail that you may do it. Therefore, now you know that the wise church is right now storing up reserves in heaven. Owing just the prophecy of Joseph alone. But there is another angle to it. You see, that while Egypt is using the Hebrew boy called Joseph, and you see how Joseph really was used by God to preserve the house of Jacob for the Messiah to come. While Egypt is using Joseph, number one, to save it from ruin, from destruction, existential threat, existential, its existence is threatened. And then to prosper also, store plenty. On the other side, I see another Hebrew boy called Daniel. The king had a dream also on the other side. He's saying something so important here. He's saying that while Egypt detected the undeclared 
treasure that God deposited in the Hebrew people. There is an undeclared treasure that God deposited in the Hebrew people. He did not declare it. And Egypt detected it, tapped on it, and used it for surviving their existential threat. The nation was about to be wiped out. And prosperity then. On the other side, the other kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar also detected the undeclared treasure that was deposited in the Hebrew people, Daniel. And they called him to interpret the dream also. But if you follow, it's very powerful. Because on the other side also, the magicians are called. Here, you now see that Joseph, now finally, because of his perseverance, Joseph is preaching to this church the importance of perseverance. Uh, let me repeat this properly that you may understand me, because I see you really love, I love my pastor, he makes me laugh. I love my church. I can't wait for Sunday. I love my pastor. He preaches so well. He makes me happy and laugh. Okay, you like that. But Joseph is asking this church in that prophecy, how come you can't see that I had to endure to reject sin with the wife of Potiphar? To go to jail and endure jail. And when I came out, I was not loathsome. I did not go to the president and now because I've been removed from jail only give him sweet prophecies. But the church here does. I did not go to the president and give him only what he wants to hear. Hey! He went there and the first thing he did he gave glory to one higher than the king. He said, God! He said, there is a God in heaven who will give you your answer. He did not say, wow, I've been in jail for all this time and the guard who works for him almost killed me. The church was attempting to rape his wife. So it was a bad charge. But now, he said, I've got a chance to come out. Let me just be loathsome. Give only sweet words. If I say a bad thing, he's going to return me. No! No! No, 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 no! No! Joseph did not give a sweet word to the king. He told the president that seven years of harvest is coming. But after that, the famine that will come will swallow even the reserves. That the people in Egypt will never remember they had reserves or they had plenty. Meaning, whosoever makes the things of this world his good thing, a time comes when he will not even remember that he has been the beholder of a good thing. Where? And Joseph is preaching to the church in this country. He's saying, how come you love only good things, good messages? Let us look for a prophet who will give this country a good message. And then the prophet says, uh, money down 100,000 euros. Then you pay money down in this country. Money down. And Joseph is saying, how come you can see that I persevered in jail for rejecting sin? With the wife of Potiphar. And all these years after perseverance, when I'm now raised, because I was persevering there, is when those two people came to jail and my gift was discovered. And then when I'm brought to the king, then the reward for my perseverance was not necessarily for me alone. 
but that I may now save the house of Jacob and the people of Egypt, of course. So the Lord is saying, this thing of me, 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 me in the church, get out of that thing. Me, 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 me. I persevered. I want God to bless me now. Isn't it true? Me, me, me all the time, me. That you know, I've suffered, so I want me, I want my blessing. It's time for my reward, really. My me, me, me. No! He's saying sometimes you may suffer for the sake of saving the others. Saving the other brothers. That when they come, they may find you as a king. And you may put grain in their beds and they may go. That the house of Jacob may be preserved. But this church, the church of flesh, always me, 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 me. I want God to bless me. I, this is really my year. This must be my year. Hey! The Lord is saying, no. Joseph is speaking to the church. He's saying, look, me, I suffered even. I was abused for something I didn't do. But at the end, when the reward came, it was not necessarily for me to save the house of Jacob and to save the people of Egypt. If anything came to me, accrued to me, that was coincidence. It was just out of bonus, gratis. Yeah. Ah! And then he's talking about perseverance. He's saying, this church has to learn what is called perseverance. Because when Joseph persevered, then he gave glory to God. He stood before the king and he said, King, there's someone greater than you called God. Ah! How dare you when you've just come from jail? So the king saw that Joseph was the faithful and wise servant who could feed Egypt at the right time. Why? Because Joseph had the capacity to detect the hour of hunger. And that capacity, he said, is related to the ability to build reserves. Yeah. This church ought to know. And he's saying, where is the church that is carrying a jar? Because he needs to instruct some people quickly. He needs to instruct people that you go into that city, you will meet a man there carrying a jar. A jar of water. When you see him, ask him, where are the reserves for the hour of hunger? The master wants reserves. And he will take you to the upper room. Where are the pastors in the land? The pastors with reserves. Where are you? I see the sheep have not been fed. Remember, the hunger has begun now. And when the rapture happens and the word is removed totally, now it's worse. But the hunger is already here. You know it because you always pay per seat, $1,000 or whatever. You always go there. You always go to hear those things there. Even the U.S. you do that. In fact, sometimes you bring them here and they have requirements. The Lord sent me that the widows and the orphans may get to hear about the Jesus they so love that he is coming. The one who has watched over them when their guardians have gone. The one they sing to every night when they can't sleep, when the tears are flowing. That when he comes, they may be ready and enter. It is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter. Then I said that is love because that is an invitation to the rich people to enter. I said I came for them too. It's an invitation to the rich also. In other words, God is saying, I'm no respecter of persons. Even the rich, he says, you can come and enter. But trim yourself that you may enter the eye of the needle. $50,000 today, they say. Now, with all that type of money, that means even you, when he comes, you really have to harvest to make up to the mark. That is what is called treating the sheep 
with cruelty, beating them up. That's why in that prophecy you see, who then is the faithful and wise servant who will feed them at the right time? Then he says, there is a wicked servant that beats them, treats them very bad, doesn't feed them, and goes to drink with the drunkards. That is called treating the sheep brutally. But the question then becomes, where is the place for the widow that Jesus said in the Bible, put a penny? And he said, she gave more than everybody else combined. That's the reason I come. That that widow may have a place in the church. Oh, 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 how sweet is the gospel of the coming of Jesus. How purifying. Pastors, listen to me, pastors. If you are looking for finances, listen to me very well. Let God be God. Why? Because if the gospel has this much power to take even an entire nation into the kingdom of God, then please, don't touch it with money. Did you hear me properly? Let it be mysterious. Why don't you live a life of miracle? Mysterious life. You almost cannot tell. And God will just see you through. That's better. A life of adventure with Christ. That means it will teach you to even depend on Him more. Oh yes. But to start judging. And widows are crying. Can you bring the gospel to my house? My roof is leaking. And the pastor don't go there anymore. The pastors are going where they receive him. There is a big flask of tea, very thick milk. The bread is buttered. Sausages and eggs are there. Then when he enters like this, he says, You remember, Paulo said, Ah, no, that is corruption. Let us step out of corruption. Let us stop the gospel of the stomach. Where the pastors only go, where they cook for them chicken. No, that is the message I brought. That is what the glory of God is saying to the church. He's saying, hearken to the words of Jesus. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Who will give them food at the proper time? The hour of hunger. And the big hunger has begun now, broken out. And remember when the church goes, it becomes worse. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. It cannot. That's why I have come. He's saying that that church is still walking here. Listen very carefully. He says, that church, the wise virgin, is still here. And there is a real chance a real chance to prepare and enter. Meaning is also saying that there's a real opportunity to take these things, these benchmarks, standards that the glory is saying and use them as a mirror. And if you are not that church, you can just begin reforms now. That's why I come. That's why I come. That reforms may take place. That you may reform. That if you are used to living careless, live in the house like that, that you may now reform and fear God. That you may one day have eternity with God. 
Because when you go to hell, then you say, Oi. Then he will remind you of the things you did wrong that made you go there. That when I went to the house, I didn't cover my chest right. Oh yes. The consequences of that is eternal hell. Look at this now. Satan was a worship leader in heaven. But when he fell to apostasy, he was cast away. And he is destined to hell. So, the wages of sin, whatever type, whether you want to show your breast in church, or you are just showing or walking naked, whatever, the consequence of that is death. The devil has not told you that. He wants you to think it's light, so you may go with him to hell. Excuse me. The consequence of lying in the New Testament church, Anania and Sapphira, is death. New Testament. I see the devil has lied to you that, no, there are some sins which are less. No. No. Every sin, the consequence is death. And if you are homosexual, the one that lasts at a woman in church, and you that is involved in homosexuality, you have the same sin. It's all called sexual sin. Can I say it properly? If you are a homosexual or a lesbian and you are busy in sexual sin with a fellow man or fellow woman, whatever, and there is a pastor in church that allows women to come dressed, leaving their chest, whatever, and then there is lasting going on in the church, the one that lasts and the one that's engaged in that brothel of homosexuals, they have the same sin. The wage is death. That's why I come. Because I said, the anointing of this hour is to expose sin in order to ignite a repentance revival. And only repentance prepares the way of the coming of the Holy Messiah. Oh yes. Today, you begin to prepare for the coming of the King. If you know what I know, how the King suffered on the cross, you'll fear the salvation you behold. One time the Lord took me to hell. To show me what is in hell. If you know what I know, oh my Lord, you will put down everything and you prepare now for heaven. You say, actually, now I don't want. You'll say that. It was bad. It disturbed me very much until today. Just the sight and everything. So he that speaks to you here knows the dangers that the devil has brought you away. Nobody preached about hell more than Jesus. Why? That you may know the dangers of hell and avoid it. Who then is the wise pastor that is able to detect the hour of hunger, the coming hunger, famine, and then feed others at the right time? Shalom. If you know that this message has touched you, and you know that you are not right with the Lord, you are within the same bracket of those who have committed the sin so grievous, pornography, lasting at women in the streets, the tight trousers that show their bodies in the church, tight skirts that show their bodies in the church, immoral dressing essentially. All these things I've talked about. If you know that this is you, please repeat this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I repent today and reject sin. Lead me into righteousness. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Please protect me in the mighty name of Jesus.
Amen. If you have said that prayer, behold, a new day has begun with your life. The Bible says you become a new creation before the Lord. And the Lord will help you walk in the Holy Spirit, change your life, throw out the things that constitute sin in your lives. Even as a pastor, it's time to clean up your gospel, clean up your church. It does not matter whether they try to leave the church. Don't change the message. Continue to preach the message of the kingdom of God. The message of the blood and the cross. Shalom. Todaraba. Todaraba.